Arie Schwartz along with Rachel Galligan and welcome to the Windsider Show where it's all about the W. This episode, I'm excited to have someone that blew onto the scenes this season, the 2020 WNBA Rookie of the Year, Crystal Dangerfield. If you like our show, please consider joining our Patreon community, patreon.com backslash windsider. For less than a cup of coffee a month, you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the W. And don't forget to see our amazing staff's written content over at windsider.com. That's windsider.com. While you're there, you can check our overseas tracker. It's live now. You can see where your favorite WNBA players are playing overseas all in one place, broken down by their WNBA team. I know I'm excited. I know Rachel's excited to welcome to the show the defending rookie of the year, Crystal Dangerfield. You're a walking highlight reel this past season. Very excited to chat with you. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I've just been relaxing ever since I left the uh, bubble and I feel good. Well, that's a perfect segue. I need to know what was the first thing you did when you got out of the bubble? Uh, I went straight home, but um, it was just really weird. Like being in the bubble, not really going anywhere but on campus or to the game site was different. So when we were get when we got to the airport, being around so many people felt so crazy to me. But um, so I just had to adjust to getting outside the bubble, really. Well, we are so happy to have you here. Excited to kind of pick your brain, learn more about you. I want to go ahead and just start with kind of growing up your childhood a little bit. Um, just your journey with basketball and some of the influential um, people in your life that have kind of gotten you to this point. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I started playing basketball when I was five years old. Um, My dad got me into it um, and has been riding with me ever since uh, on my journey. Um, And growing up, that's really what it was. It was school um, and basketball, be it school basketball, be it church league, um, AAU. Uh, That's just been my life. Uh, following in my sister's footsteps, going to practice with her, going to my own practice. And then after that, um, it was AAU, AAU on my own team. Um, and then it turned into EYBL, and I went on to college. Talk to us a little bit about your, your decision to go to UConn. Um, anyone would be living under a rock if they didn't know. <laughs> Where you got. But, but tell us a little bit about your recruiting process and, and different places you considered. Um, I had five schools, uh, but my top three were um, South Carolina, um, Maryland, and UConn. Um, the decision just kind of boiled down to what kind of player I wanted to be, like, once I left. Um, and I knew that UConn had a great track record for how they um, uh, developed their guards. So that was something that I wanted to be a, a part of. Um what they do as far as building, you know, character building, mental toughness, physical toughness. Um, that's what attracted me most. So that's why I ended up choosing UConn. I don't think anyone is going to argue with that one, but your career at UConn, I mean, you had a great career, so fun to watch, but obviously did not end the way anyone would have ever imagined it to end. You had a phenomenal senior year, um, really enjoyed watching you play and felt like you guys could make a serious deep run in the tournament. But I mean, talk to us a little bit about like 
there was a period of time there from where it was March Madness to the draft and just what that entire experience was for you. It had to have been a whirlwind the way the season ended and then, you know, getting into the draft and, and just kind of that transition unprecedented. What was that like? Yeah. Um, I would definitely say that it was now uh, everything is really settled down. I had time to like really think about it. Um, the last game, if someone had told me that would be my last game ever, I mean, I, I have regrets because I went to the Final Four three times um, my career there, didn't win a championship. So the way the season ended was definitely a letdown for me. I was very disappointed um, because that was my goal, going there to win a national championship. Um, and I felt like my team was playing great basketball at the time. So uh, definitely a letdown, um, went home. I went home thinking that I would be able to go back to the campus like two weeks later, and then it turned out I couldn't. So life was just like really going downhill at that point because I, I wanted to play basketball. Um, the How the draft was going to happen was up in the air, and then they finally came out. I was going to say it was going to be virtual. Um, obviously, I was disappointed with how the draft went, but I was very fortunate in ending up in Minnesota, um, obviously. <laughs> but um, – yeah, I would say from March to the end of um, April was kind of eh. On a scale from zero to t uh, one to ten, was probably like a negative four or something for me. Wow! Wow! Well, I mean, obviously that's a lot um, to take in in terms of just probably your your head had to have been spinning. Um, and and you mentioned you were a little bit disappointed with how the draft went. And I, I'll get to that here in a minute because I do have a question with that. But, you know, once you were drafted and you realized you were going, you know, kind of what was that like for you, the excitement for you, um, knowing you were going to be in Minnesota? What were some things that were really appealing for you about that, that program in particular? Uh, just the culture that I know that they have. Um, looking back at the season that they had before, just the success that – um, my former teammate, right now teammate, uh, Fee had had when she got there, um, knowing how Fee works, knowing how her um, attitude about the game is, I knew that it would be a good fit for me as well. Um, and she was excited. She was the first person that called me um, after the draft had happened. So uh, I was ready to get to work, uh, excited to get there and um, see what you know the league was all about. Well, I, I heard a little birdie told me that she was kind of in Cheryl Reeves' ear saying, you got to get her, you got to get her. She's going to be amazing, which obviously it's very prophetic from her. But I'm curious for you, I I can't see a thing that you kind of struggled with this season. So in your mind, what was the hardest adjustment to the pros? Because it's, it's a big change, the speed, the physicality. I mean, talk to me about what adjustments you had to make coming into the league. Definitely the physicality. Um, things that they call in college games versus what they call in um, uh, the league is, is very different. And so even now, like I'm looking back and looking at college games that are on TV now, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, <laughs> like you're not going to get that call. And I'm like, because kids are like, it's a foul, it's a foul. It's like, no, it's really not. And I'm looking at it like, now you need to keep playing. So it was definitely that. Um, uh, and then just uh, understanding that I'm playing against uh, players that are, that have like eight years on me, like their IQ is, a lot different um, versus me playing against or I'm the oldest or my IQ is already high. So I'm, I'm okay. So I have to figure out different tricks that, that'll work for me. 
um, you know, help give my team an advantage. Well, you had lots of tricks up your sleeve, but I'm I'm curious for you because as someone coming into the league, and I think, I mean, obviously, look, I don't play in the league. I never will play in the league. You're a great <laughs> athlete. How much does confidence play into your performance, but even more so as a young player to kind of, you know, is it coach's confidence? Is it your confidence? What goes into building your confidence to play your best game? It's definitely got to be, you know, self-driven, self-motivated because um, there's only 144 spots. Um, and it's either be eaten, you know, if you're not doing your job, you're going to, um, so they're going to replace you, find someone else they can. Um, so you have to have your own, uh, confidence in yourself that you put in work. Um, you step on the floor, their players, they have to show up just like you have to show up. Uh, so that's, that's really where it comes from for me. What it boils down to. So, and, and you play with confidence too. I mean, the, the way you play, you didn't look like a rookie, which I think, was kind of the if you're a Lynx fan, which I'm I'm originally from Minnesota, so my whole family was super hyped that they got you. Everyone's been going crazy for you. But I'm curious, was there is there like a, a Yukon WhatsApp group that you can like reach out to be like, hey Sue Bird, I'm going through this. Like give me some insight on you know, do you guys communicate with each other and share words of wisdom? Or is it kind of like once you're in the league, when you know when the when the when the ball drops, it, it's a uh, it's game time. There's too many of them. They couldn't have a group. <laughs> It's definitely off the floor. Like we would run into each other, you know, like in the hotel or just walking around the campus and stuff and have conversations. Like if you need anything, let me know. Things like that. But when we're on the floor, all of us know, like we're we're competitive. We all went to UConn. We know how it goes in practice. We know how it goes for games. We're competitive. It's cutthroat. We want to win. So that kind of goes out the window. Like if it's a dead ball or something, we'll look over to each other, crack jokes sometimes and things like that. But other than that, we're out there playing. We're, we're hooping, so. It's like, hey, Sue, Gino likes me more. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm curious, you know, we're about to – we're going to talk a little bit about the draft um, and, and your feelings on that. But I'm, I'm more curious, during the season, was there, like, a singular moment that you remember? Was there a point where you kind of looked at yourself in the mirror and you go, oh, crap, I, I could be – I'm winning Roy. Like, this is my award to lose. Um – I don't think it was like a specific moment, really. There was a moment where I would have been like, where I, it switched in my head, where I would have been disappointed if I had not won it, because mm-hmm. just the work that I had put in um, on a team where majority of people, some media were like, "No, nah, Minnesota's not. It's barely gonna make the playoffs. If they do make it, um, weren't looked at as one of the top four teams at all." and turned it around it will be a rebuild year for us and we turned it around we were a playoff team and we were the final four teams there so um yeah I, there was a point it wasn't a point where it was like it's mine to lose or anything like that but I just was going to be really disappointed if I did not win mm-hmm. well you you mentioned that draft night did not go how you um would have wanted it to go. And I kind of want to take it back to that. Um, and I, I guess I have a lot of thoughts and maybe questions around this, but, um, I, and I do, <laughs> I do want to preface it by, I would, I would say everyone would, would agree that height and size has a lot to do with that. Yeah. Um, and I, I just want to make a point that I love to have this debate with people. There, there's a few talking heads on Twitter. Um, shout out to David Siegel and shout out to Steffi Sorensen, who all three of us said we were going to die on the crystal danger field hill. 
um, about how how much we really saw what you could bring to the WNBA and really just the dynamic crew you had at UConn. But what was it about draft night? Um, you know, obviously the mock drafts comes out. I don't know how much you, t- you even look at those if you do at all. Um, but what was it that kind of disappointed you the most? And, or maybe feeling like you were overlooked a little bit? Um, it was definitely because I didn't honestly believe that my size would matter that much. I didn't think it would hold that much weight given what I felt like my talent. You no, know, you could overlook that. Um, I played against big people in college. was fine. You know, I don't. I personally don't understand what size does. I mean, yes, you have, they, they say you can't teach height and things like that, but you also can't, if someone has skill, you can't overlook that. If they have a competitiveness about them, you can't overlook that, a will to, stuff yeah. like that. That's things that I feel like I showed um, throughout my UConn career. Um, and I feel like it got overlooked, it got overshadowed because they were afraid if, I got knocked around too much or couldn't do certain things because of my size and me being who I am, being a competitor out there and you know, doing my thing. That's what I did at UConn. Like it, it wasn't a situation where I was just like my talent couldn't over couldn't bypass my height. Like it wasn't a situation like that. So I don't know. It was frustrating, it was disappointing. And ultimately I was like, all right, well. Now I have to show up for real because I can't get in here and have them be proven right. Well, I would say you definitely had um, some vengeance with that, and it all worked out exactly how it was supposed to. But it is. It's inter- it's interesting. I coached college basketball um, for, for a good good period of time, and that was always – like there's two types of coaches, you know, like the ones that see heart and the ones that are really focused on height and size, especially at the point guard position. And um, I'm, you can probably imagine which side of the fence I am with that. I, I am on with that, but no, I, I really, I was curious with that because obviously, yes, you were, um, went a little bit later than I would have imagined, or a lot of us would have imagined. But like I said, that vengeance that you, uh, came back with and showing everybody, I, I think is phenomenal, but I do want to just throw this in there real quick. You know, there are a lot of, of young girls out there in the world who have a lot of heart, who play really hard, who might not be the biggest. What advice would you give to them? say maybe those those five 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 six point guards that are getting overlooked what advice would you give them to prove them wrong like there's you can't let someone's limitations exist in your world if you have a dream if you have a goal and you know that you've put in work go chase that dream like that's that's something that that that's been in me since I was a kid like no one can tell me if a dream is too big or if I, I don't fit into a certain vision, a certain role of, of a norm. If, if, if you have a, like if a coach has an idea, okay, they want a bigger point guard. Okay. You can't, you can't do anything about that, but if there's an opportunity for you to go and show what you're made of, go do it and go, go bust your butt, do whatever you have to do and go prove them wrong. But at the end of the day, it was that for me. And it was also just proving myself right. I put in work since I was young, wanted to go into the go to college, go to the league, and I wanted to see myself succeed. So it was just about proving myself right because I know that little Crystal that was like eight, nine, ten years old wanted to do this. She was happy while she was playing all those games. 
Love it. Giving me chills talking about it. What are you doing this off season? What are you, what are you working on? What's your workout routine? Um, what, what are, what are the things you're focused on right now? Right now it's just, um, been me taking care of my body. Um, I probably have not been a hundred percent playing wise since I got to college. <laughs> um, so really? yeah, I had, um, three surgeries in four years. So this is my first like real off season. So that's what I've been doing. It's been just um, taking care of my body. What would you say is one, your biggest weakness um, and then your biggest strength that maybe doesn't get talked about the most? Biggest weakness. Either mentally or just on the court. Um, On the court, I would definitely just say my defensive pressure. I would say given my skills, given my quickness, and things like that. And that's something that Coach uh, Reeve talked to me about uh, as the season went on. Given you know, the abilities that I do have, I don't use it as much. So defensive, you know, loss and things like that. So that's definitely something that I'll be working on for this season coming up. Um, biggest strength, I would just say my competitive spirit. You know, I don't like to lose. I hate losing more than I love winning. So I, I would say that. Windsider is your one-stop shop for all your WNBA news and conversations, but we can't do it without your help. Become a subscriber at patreon.com backslash Windsider for just a few dollars a month. You can directly show support and grow the game. So looking forward to the next season, I'm I'm so curious. Have you spoken to Fee or, you know, other rookies of the year? Because Look, you blew up onto the scene. We've talked about it all episode, but now going into the second season, you've kind of got a target on your back. You know, people are going to be studying more tape on you. They're going to be very focused on, oh, we don't want this young player to show us up, you know, the mentality of the vet. So I'm curious, what, what do you got in store for your second season or what are you doing to, uh, once you get healthy, progress your game so that, you know, you don't have a, a sophomore slump, as they call it? You know, I haven't really thought about it yet because I've just been focusing on my body right now, but um, mm-hmm. I'll get back uh and work with my trainer about things um definitely improve my my outside shooting uh that was probably the most frustrating thing aside from you know like what I would want to do on defense but um my outside shot wasn't where I wanted it to be um passing certain reads out of a pick and roll uh because teams were starting to you know try to trap or things like that, hard hedge. So things like that, things that I noticed in games that I was struggling with, I'll go back and work on. So um, I don't get caught in those positions again. But other than that, it's, it's just going to be, you know, make sure my feel for the game stays where it was and gets, gets better. You know, they always say the point guard and the head coach have to have, you know, this special uh, relationship or connection. I do want to talk about Cheryl Reeve. I mean, you're being coached by arguably one of the greatest WNBA head coaches um, in terms of what she's been able to accomplish in her time. What's that relationship like and what has it been kind of so far being coached by her? Yeah, it's been, it's been special. You know, I, I was asked a lot, what's the um, you know relation between her and um, coach Ariyama. And I'm like, it's very similar. Um, you know, you can talk to, I can talk to Cheryl about anything. Um, she's very honest, just like Coach Ariyama was. Um, and as the season went on, I, I noticed that I was gaining a lot more trust in her. And that's what you always want um, with your point guard. You can trust them on the floor. And I just think that's going to grow um, as the seasons go by. Um, 
and I'll be going to Minnesota pretty soon here and hopefully it'll, you know, grow some more than, you know, coming in in the off season, getting some work done, watching some film and things like that. And it's, it extends off the court just about life um, and, and other stuff like that, personal things. So being with um, the entire uh, Minnesota staff really uh, is, it was a great fit for me and talk to any of them. They're fun. Uh, they crack jokes on us. We can crack jokes back. So it was a it's a really special relationship with them. Well, it's an interesting thing because looking at the makeup of the the coaching staff of Minnesota, you have a ton of former players. So I can only imagine there's, you know, that bond that you maybe don't normally have with a coach because I mean, heck, Rebecca Brunson, like out did she officially retire? If she did, it was like last season. So she's fresh off her career. Katie Smith is a legend in the game in her own. I think one of the things and I'm speaking for everybody. One of the impressive things about your game is your ability to finish in the paint with contact. I'm curious, just as someone who watches, obviously, from thousands of miles away during the uh, the COVID season, but is that something that's like always been a, a good part of your game? Or is that something that you worked on coming into the league, knowing you'd be going up against a much more physical opponent? Um, I always worked on it. In college, I never really got into the paint like that like I did but it would be like mid-range or floaters and things like that but I don't know I guess I was slipping by and got to the rim but I in the off season or before the season started uh that was definitely something that I worked on just different types of finishes wrong hand um wrong foot things like that um because you have to be creative when you're going up against um players that are bigger players there's players that are smaller shot blockers you have to be creative um keep them guessing on what you're about to do, how you're going to finish. You had so many shot blockers whiffing on the ball all season long. It was, it was honestly like it, sometimes the camera would pan to their face after you got a, like a tough finish on them. And you would see this like anger and fr- I don't know if you noticed this, but there's just a lot of anger and frustration when you're going up against these players who like, I should have had that. And then same thing over and over. But one of the big news is personally for you and for fans of the W uh, I just heard, a few days ago that you signed with Jordan brand, which is just giant for the women's game. Yeah. Talk us through how that happened. What that went like, did all, did you have one of those like classic moments that Michael Jordan calls you and you thought it was a prank <laughs> phone call and you hung up on him? So it was, uh, you know, sit down meetings and things like that. It was shortly after, um, the se- my season had ended. Um, it was, it's honestly like a match made in heaven for me. Um, everything that will like go into it, um, just Jordan brand as a whole. I love the shoes. I love that just when you hear the name Jordan, you think of elite players, elite status and things like that. So it was a match made in heaven. And I told him that I thanked him. Um, and it's a privilege. It's an honor and a privilege and I'm blessed for it. Uh, I'm really happy about it. Can we get a danger field shoe? Yeah, that was like, so, like yellow tape that says, watch out danger. <laughs> Maybe in the works. I don't know. Uh, if I can get a, a PE, I'll, I'll try to do something like that. There we go. There. Actually, you know what? Real quick, do you have an official nickname? Because I went through like five different nicknames for you during the season. Because like sometimes when you're podcasting over and over, you know, I like to call you Danger Zone or Mighty Mouse or I, I have a plethora of other nicknames. What What should the fans be calling you? What do you prefer? Just my name, really. <laughs> uh, I don't have a nickname. Um, when I was younger, my AAU coach um, called me Danger um, really just quick. But I think I kind of grew out of that. So really just my name. I don't have any other nicknames other than that. 
Well, right now you're Roy, so. Yeah, that one that one actually did come about with my coaches. So yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we are going to jump into our final part of the show. Uh, we call this part the rapid fire, but it actually should be called non-rapid fire because they're they actually never ever end up being rapid fire questions. So. Yeah, just answer it as quick as you possibly can. What was your favorite moment from the season slash wobble? Uh, making the playoffs. What was your welcome to the league moment? Like, hey, you made it. Like, what was that moment that really, like, hit you in the face? Like, welcome to the league. Um, Having Candace Parker say something about me. <laughs> That's really cool. Give us your pregame ritual or a superstition that you have. I actually don't have one. I try not to do that. Wow. Because if something happens and I can't do it, then it's it's no good. So so I, I have to pause the rapid fire here quick because you're the first player that I've ever spoken to who said that. And also, I find it hilarious just because I've heard like crazy rumors of the Minnesota Lynx being a very superstitious team, at least back in the day. So that is that is really cool news and, and makes you unique. Growing up, who were your favorite players? Who did you idolize? Who did you look up to? Um, uh, this is not rapid fire at all. Um, <laughs> I just brought her up when I was young, obviously being from Tennessee, I loved watching the Lady Balls play Candace Parker there. Um, Maya Moore, obviously. Um, when I got to like around, I was about to come with, go into high school. Um, Mariah Jefferson went to UConn. So I'll definitely have to say those three. If you could travel anywhere in the world, where would you go? Greece. I like it. Ooh. That was that was supposed to be my honeymoon spot, but then we had to cancel it due to COVID. <laughs> sorry, sorry to cut you off, Rachel. I hate that for you. Oh my gosh! No, we're not very good at rapid fire. You're actually doing better than we are. Um, okay, outside of UConn, they haven't even played yet. Hopefully, very very soon. Which team have you seen, or do you have your eye on as being true national championship contenders this year? College. This one will definitely not be rapid fire. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm bet- I'm betraying all UConn fans right now like this. Um, I would have to say I've looked at um, South Carolina and Louisville the most. Um, and out of those two, I'm going to have to go with Louisville. I like that. We just saw them the other night uh, for the WNBA draft lottery game. That was pretty exciting. I have to ask, do you have any funny Geno story? Because I feel like he's low-key hilarious. He absolutely is. People do not give him enough credit. There are some times where he's corny, but he is actually a, a, a funny guy. Uh, pinpointing actual stories, probably not good to go on on out into the world. So I'm going to pass on that. <laughs> All right. Last one, at least from me. What, you know, we talked about NCAA season, which players potential, um, you know, draft entries or maybe early or seniors do you see as potential uh, first round draft picks for next year or who do you like who have you seen so far that you like coming out for next year I would um say I'll definitely be looking to see where uh, Dana Evans yeah. goes um everyone was I don't I don't really watch Texas play I had to watch him last night just to see um I'll be interested to see if Charlie Collier comes out early yeah, yeah I watched it too yeah um not um not um a senior or coming out early, but Zaya Cook from yeah, South Carolina. Good. I like the way she plays. Yeah, she's cooking. Well, Crystal, yeah. I, I just wanted to drop this because we hadn't had a chance to bring it up. 
you actually beat out uh, your good friend Nafisa Collier for the leading score on the Lynx this past season, which is a ridiculous feat for a rookie. So I just want to pat you on the back for that one and say congrats and best wishes to you. Thank you so much for joining us and taking the time. I know you're busy healing up and getting ready for the next season. All right. Thanks. I really appreciate it. We appreciate you. This has been the Winsider Show. Don't forget to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And while you're at it, hit subscribe to The Floor Game, presented by Winsider, featuring and hosted by the infamous Bendel.